Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 1-10. We then as co-workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. But in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in tribulations and needs and distresses, in stripes, imprisonments and tumults and labors and sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness, on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold, we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. And so as Paul has been defending his life and ministry in the first five chapters, those in Corinth, the enemy that had come in, had come in and accused him of many wrong things. And so as he's been defending that in the last five chapters and stuff and, and acknowledging that, he ended chapter 5 with the fact that he had been given the ministry of reconciliation. And he's talking about that and the grace of God and the knowledge of God. And yet the Corinthian Christians who had accepted the Lord, they hadn't been growing in their grace and knowledge of God. And yet Paul had been careful to do everything from keeping them from stumbling or anything that would discredit the ministry. And he had declared that he was now an ambassador, ambassador, representative. And he was a representative of the message of the gospel. He was presented with that. And he would go and present the gospel. And this message was a message of reconciliation, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. His message was of grace and forgiveness and that all are welcome to receive this. He said in verse 21 of chapter 5, he says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that he might become the righteousness of God. The Bible says in Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who was hung on a tree. And so Christ, our perfect offering. It is Christ who took our sin. It is Christ who made us whole, who, who made us righteous. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9 says, I count all things for the loss of the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. So not by my works, not by my own doings and, or anything else. But he, he had said it was the love of Christ who had compelled him. It is the love of Christ that drove Paul in everything that he did. It was his motivation. And he was motivated to share the ministry with Timothy, his protege. And so as an ambassador, as an ambassador sharing the good news of the gospel, the most incredible part of all this is that he says in verse 1 here that we are workers with the Lord. Not just for Him, but with Him. He doesn't send us on an assignment, which is anything, but he, he, He's with us every step of the way. 
The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, it says, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. In other words, get ready. Get ready for the mission. Get ready for the task. And I'm going to go with you. I'm going to help you. And he says in verse 1 that you will be a worker with him, workers together with him. And I love this because th this, this reminder as an ambassador that you don't go out in your own strength, your own message, and your own will, but you go out as a representative of Christ. And he, the authority by which you speak is given to you by the Lord. It's delegated to you. And it says that he, God is participating with us. And it's the work of God's grace towards us that drives us and includes us in laboring. But notice it says that we are workers. It means that you and I have to get up and do something. It means that we don't just sit around and now that we're Christians, that we just kind of wait for the Lord to come get us. But he says, no, there's a message and there's a ministry and there's something to do. It, it should drive us and it motivates us and, and we should work hard in, in understanding what this means, that the Lord is our co-laborer. In Mark chapter 16, verse 20, it says, And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, it says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so he says, in verse 1, it says, Also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain, and that word plead literally means I beg of you. I beg of you to think about this grace that's been given to you. It's my heart's desire that you would understand. Listen, this is what I was sharing before we started is when we think about where we are right now with COVID and, you know, because, see, here's the thing. I'll be real with you guys. We're not in a new year. I mean, you guys have your second semester right now of school going to start soon, and you got to figure that out. And there's so much unknowns and everything else. And, and again, here's the thing, like I was sharing last service, when you think about COVID, a few months ago, it was like you might have heard of somebody or knew somebody that maybe had it. Now everybody's getting it. And, and it's a trip because how it affects people. For some, it doesn't really face them. Others, it's, it's taking them down hard. And some, it's it's taking their lives and 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 it's it's crazy now right like I mean it, it's it's just expanded so much and there's so much around us that's whether it's unknowns or, or or whatever it might be and yet Paul is pleading with the Corinthian Christians and he says don't take the grace of God in vain understand what you have in Christ and never forget that never let it go hang on to it with everything you have why what he's trying to express to them is this, grace changes everything. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 13, it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Looking for. It means you're out there searching. We don't take it lightly. And his point was simply this. When we look at verse uh, 2, as we add to that, it says, For he says, An acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. 
Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What he's saying is this. Salvation is not to be put off. It's not to be taken lightly. Now is the time. See, we cannot predict the future. I was talking to somebody recently and uh, who, who's raised their children in the church and stuff, and he said one of his children are out there, and it's been 15 years as they're still out getting a testimony, that they walked away from the Lord, and it's been 15 years, and, and they're not anywhere near ready to come back to God. Matter of fact, they want nothing to do really with the Lord, and yet they were raised in the church, very involved. And so when you think about this, I think the thing that I want to express to you, especially as young people, is this. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to, to be ready to serve the Lord. You are called to be an ambassador now. You guys are equipped. And again, I was sharing last service is this. You guys have heard, most of you have grown up in the church. And for those of you who have grown up in the church, you've heard lots and lots of Bible studies. I tell you this all the time. And here's what I want to say to you. Not so what, but now what? Not so what, now what? So you heard it. So what? Now, now what are you going to do with that information? What are you going to do with the information that you've heard over a lifetime so far? Are you going to just toss it out? Are you going to apply it to your life? Co-laborers. One of the things in laboring is this. I was sharing um, with the uh, last service, so I've had um, Jamie... Uh, Manzano uh, and uh, Amelia Key's dad over the last couple of days and they've been uh, I was going to say helping me do some work but I've been trying to help them do work <laughs> and so they've been doing some we've been doing some construction in one of the rooms in the house and stuff and uh, Amelia's dad is like an expert drywaller and you know he's like oh yeah you just do this 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 and I'm like oh, wait stop slow down like how like you know Go back and how come you make it look so easy and so smooth? How come when you repair a wall, it looks like almost like it's never been repaired, but when I repair it, it's like all nasty and bowed and nuts and, you know, all this stuff. And at one point, we were working on something yesterday, and we didn't know how to, uh, the way uh, the crown molding in my house was cut, we had to cut a new piece. And, uh, but the way it was done uh, by a friend of mine that put it up, none of us had seen it before, uh, that style of, of cut and everything else. And so we went on YouTube and watched a video. We found a video on how to do it. And the, the guy who's doing it is like, yeah, it's easy. You just do this, this, and that. I'm like, it's easy for you. You're a woodworker. You're a craftsman. This is what you do. And he's, and he's showing this in a tutorial on Facebook. On, um, YouTube and stuff, and we're like, oh, yeah. And he goes, yeah, just try it two or three times. And I'm going, we don't have two or three times. We don't have a bunch of extra pieces right now. We, we have one or two pieces that we have to work with, and hopefully we get it right, and we got it right. Praise God. Well, they got it right. I was holding the wood as they worked. <laughs> and I'm not a handy guy, and I was learning a lot this last couple of days and drywall and framing and and texturing and, and mudding drywall and all that stuff. And, and uh, hopefully, maybe I could do it myself one day and, and stuff. But, but here's the thing. As I'm learning, like, the space we're working was kind of tight. And, like, it didn't take three people. 
And I'm like, well, I can't go sit down and watch TV because I have these two guys working in my house, like, but I can't really help. So I'm like, this was, this was my job last two days. Can I get you guys more water? <laughs> and every time they move out of the way, I'd sweep the floor. <laughs> I'm like trying to be useful, but I'm also trying to watch and learn, trying to be a co-laborer. But you and I are co-laborers with the gospel, with the Lord. And our message as ambassadors is the gospel, is the grace of God, is eternity. It's to point people to Jesus in everything that we do and to take everything. And, and in this, one of the things in verse 3, it, it tells us that we give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed. See, Paul was willing to do most anything to make sure he gave no offense. He was willing to neglect his salary as a minister. He was willing to allow others to be more prominent. He was willing to work hard and endure hardship. He was, but he wasn't afraid to offend people and stand up for the gospel. But it was everything else in his lifestyle that he wanted to make sure was guarded from taking uh, the other people's eyes off of Jesus. He wanted to watch everything he does. We were just talking about that between services. When ministers fail, when people like walk away from the Lord, when, when pastors who are held in high regard or people that speak about the truth of the gospel that are held in such high regard and they, they get caught up in sin and, you know, and, and their ministry is you find out they weren't the people that you once thought and all this other stuff. And everything that they stood for gets thrown out the window because you look at them as they're fake, they're phony, they're this and that, or whatever. But Paul is saying here that he and his fellow workers labored honorably before people. He renounced the hidden things, it said in chapter 4, verse 2, the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience. He lived right before God in front of everybody, and he made it his aim to do just that. That was his goal. I want to live for the Lord in front of you. I want to be real in front of you. Who I am, what you see, is who I am. And I want it to, to matter. It means everything to me. See, because he wanted people to know and see how incredible God is. Look at what God can do through life that's willing. This is the motive. This was the whole point. Was Don't look at me because I'm Paul, but look at me because I'm a guy who wants God to do incredible things. And I want you to know because God has done so incredible things in my life, I want you to know what He can do in yours. And it isn't about being somebody. Matter of fact, He said that, I was somebody in my own eyes, in the community's eyes, but I became nobody, and that's what mattered. Because it wasn't about me, it was about the Lord in me and the Lord with me. And so he moves on into verse 4, and he begins to itemize the hardships that he had been enduring, and the listing, the afflictions, and the things that he went through. 
The things that he endured were things, you guys, that he was prepared for by Jesus. The Bible says this in John 16, 33. It says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have no tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Listen, the drywall that I was talking about, the cutting the angles and stuff. It's one thing to watch a tutorial video. It's, an, it's one thing to watch somebody cut it, the pieces of wood and do all these things and cut the drywall and mud it. It's another thing when you have that stuff in your hand. For, for anybody who's around people who are good with working with wood and nails and hammers and things like that, and they're like, oh, yeah, just hammer it in. And, you know, they're flying through it and just nailing things in with the hammer and stuff. And you get the hammer and you're like just trying to start one nail and trying to keep it from being bent. And they like two or three taps real quick and it's all the way down. And, you know, your second tap, your nails bent and <laughs> all crazy and stuff. And you're like trying to swing this hammer and stuff. And just it's awkward. And you're learning. Well, that's construction. That's mi but here's ministry. My question to you is things like this when it comes to ministry. Maybe you've already had this. What do you do when you find out your friend, a close friend, comes to you and says, can you keep a secret? You promise not to say anything. And they show you they've been hurting themselves and that they're at a point now where they're done and they want to take their own life. How do you handle that? What do you do when your friend says, please don't tell nobody, but I've been sexually assaulted? What do you do when you're faced with some of the most hardships ever? Not what do I do, not, but what do you do? How do you handle that? When somebody comes to you and says, pray for my family because my loved one passed or somebody has cancer or this or that. Or, what do you do? When you go through hardships, when you go through trials, when bad things happen to you, what do you do? See, Paul learned how to minister while being in prison, while beaten, while being, well, starving. He learned how patience. He learned how to minister as he lived his life. Not through Bible college. Not through reading books. Not through, you know, certain discipleship or training, but through living life. That's how he learned to minister. I can tell you, I, I, same thing. I learned a lot in Bible college, and there's a lot of things I never learned. And I can't learn. You can't read a book and then go talk to people and act like you're going to know what to do. You, you can't. It doesn't work that way. Everybody's different, and every situation's different. And you learn how to minister by ministering. You learn how to love by loving. You learn how to care by caring. One of the commentators said this, ministers often do a great deal more good by their example in suffering than they do in their preaching. When I read that, I thought, man, I don't, I don't just take it as a pastor when I use the word minister, but I look at us as believers. When people see us hanging on to Jesus, no matter what we go through, it speaks volumes. It speaks volumes into people's lives. 
See, Paul, as a minister, set an example how a believer should respond in difficult things. He was setting that example for the Corinthian Christians. And again, a lot of them weren't growing. A lot of them, you know, they, they prayed a prayer, they accepted the Lord, and they believed, but there was no further growth. And he's trying to help them in everything he can to grow, to strengthen their walk. But they have to do it now. They have to do it. And some want it. And some didn't. You ever watch when parents are trying to teach their babies how to walk? You know, the baby will hold on to their finger or something like that. And parents are like kind of standing there like, you don't want them to fall. You don't want them to get hurt. Other parents are like, go. Like some kids, they just grab a hold of the coffee table or whatever else. They let go and they just go and they'll take a couple steps and fall. But they have a diaper on. They'll be okay as long as they land on that. <laughs> Not their head. They're going to get some bumps and bruises along the way, but they're going to learn to walk and then they're going to learn to run. And then they're going to learn to climb <laughs> and they're going to get into everything. But they're going to learn. And you and I are, are at a place where we've got to learn. You've got to let go of the coffee table. You've got to let go of your parents and everything else and say, look, it, it's my turn to walk with the Lord. And i got to go. Am I going to fall? I might. But I'm never going to really learn how to walk with the Lord unless I take the steps of letting go and, and I walk with the Lord on my own. That I make this faith real and I understand that the calling that God has called me to as an ambassador, I don't take it lightly. That I re re represent Him well. And, and notice what Paul goes on to say as he shares his resume, if you would, as he shares all the things he went through, he says, verse 4, and all these things we commend ourselves as ministers of God in much patience and tribulations and needs and distresses. The idea of endurance. Endurance instead of simply waiting, but endurance. Endurance through tribulations, needs, and distresses. As an ambassador and co-worker with Jesus, he was patient with describing why he needed this endurance. Because of the struggles of life, because of everything he was going through. And notice he goes on to say in verse 5, in stripes, and imprisonments, and tumults, and labors, and sleeplessness, and fastings. As he continues, he writes of sufferings directly inflicted by men. Imprisonment, violence, angry mobs, all these people coming against him. Then he goes on to say labors and sleeplessness and fasting, the self-inflicted hardship. Now, one of the things I want to point out is this. In no point in no time did Paul have to do all these things. His hard working was a choice. Think about that. His hard working was a choice keeping many sleepless nights or going without food. Many of these was a choice. He could have stopped. He could have stopped preaching about Jesus. He could have stopped all these things and wouldn't have had such a hard life. And yet he didn't consider that hard in a sense. The thing that was more valuable to him was the preaching. 
He wasn't complaining about these things because they were self-inflicted, but they were relevant to his need for patience. They were relevant to his ministry. This is what I've gone through for the sake of the gospel. Because the gospel is everything, and I'm willing to keep going. And I'm willing to press through. And so all these hardships are worth it for me. I see it as valuable that I'm going to keep working hard. Why? Because the end result. The end result is something spectacular. It's salvation. It's eternity. See, we can get so caught up right now and today, and we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what school is going to be like. We don't know what the future. And here's the thing, like, I don't know about you, like, sometimes I feel like, Lord, take me home. And yet other times I feel like, I want to grow old. I want to see my kids grow up and maybe have grandkids many, many, many years from now. But I think, like, I want to grow up and grow old and all this other stuff. And other times I'm thinking, Lord, like, let's go. Let's just all go home. Like, let's all go to heaven now. Let's just call it quits. Let's call it a day. Like, But this labor, this sleeplessness of fasting, thinking about the ministry of the gospel, thinking about the Corinthian Christians, thinking about these believers and what they're going through and not going through, where they're at in their walk. See, Paul's character and conduct was always to be Christ-like. He wanted it so badly to be Christ-like. And he wanted them to see it. He wanted others to see, like, this is what God can do in your life. He was willing to be an example. He wanted so badly to be an example because, not to say look at me, but look at God in me. Look at what God can do in your life as He's doing it in mine because I'm willing. Not because I'm somebody special or anything else, but because I'm willing. And so he responds to the attacks. He responds by saying, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth. It's what sustains me, by honor and dishonor. Through all the things, through false accusations, through accusations, through people, you know, imprisonments, through everything I'm going through. <clears throat> now what? See, it's interesting because in Acts chapter 19, verse 15, it says, And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? In other words, saying Paul is legit the real thing that even the demons knew like he was a threat. This guy's real. And the Lord strengthened him through everything. And so although he faced continual persecution, the tears and the hardship that he felt, the tears that Paul shed were not for himself but for others. Others that didn't know the Lord. And I want to ask you this morning, you guys, especially now we're starting this new year, how do you think? Do you see people lost without a shepherd and it doesn't break your heart? Do you see people that didn't know the Lord, don't know the Lord, and does that break your heart and are you willing to do something about it? To take a stand and to take a, uh, a look at all these things and say, Lord, I want to serve you, I want to honor you. 
Because he goes on to say in verse like 9 and 10, as unknown and yet known, as dying and behold we live, as sorrowful and yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. He's trying to get them to see what wealth really looks like. It isn't the material things. It's heaven. It's knowing and understanding the riches of Christ. It's grace. The grace is everything. And listen, I don't know about you, but like I'm so thankful for these things, for the forgiveness of sin, for the offerings of life, for, the, for hope that we have that's an anchor for our soul. We have something that's priceless. And He's calling us to give that away. And He, bless you. And as you give it away, He's not going to take any of it from you. He's going to add to your plate as you give away. You're never going to go without. But He wants you and I to share about His grace, His love, His mercy. You and I are called to be ambassadors. And you and I, I believe He's calling us, He's given us an example in Paul of somebody who's like, follow me as I follow Christ. It's worth it. And I'm willing to take this hard stance. I'm willing to endure and go through what I've gone through that you might know how much God loves you. I pray that it matters to you the same for your loved ones, your friends, those that you go to school with, work with, sports, whatever it might be, that they would know what love is because you love them and you share about God's love with them. Last thing is this. I think sometimes we get so awkward, like, I don't know what to say. I want to tell you guys, I don't believe that to be true. I think you're just nervous and scared. But once you share for the first time, it breaks that ice. It breaks that nervousness and scaredness and stuff. And you learn there's nothing to be afraid of. The thing that makes us nervous and afraid is doing sharing our faith for the first time or for the first time in a long time. But once we do it, yeah, it becomes easier. And the more you do it, it becomes more natural. And this is what the Lord wants from us. That sharing our faith and standing up for our faith is a natural thing. It's who we are. It's what we're all about. Not that, that we become pests and we become annoying or anything else, but that what comes out of us is who we are. Is somebody who just loves God and wants others to know how much He loves them. My prayer for you and I is that 2021 would be just that. That we would be the best examples, better than ever, of godly men and women, people who are trying, not people who are perfect, but people who are trying to love God and love people and share His truth with others. That's what He's called us to. In the midst of good times, bad times, whatever diversity we face, that we would hang on to the Lord. And so, do you shed a tear for those who are hurting, those who are broken, those who are lost, when you think about Paul and what he's gone through for the sake of the gospel, to me, I think I haven't been through anything yet when I think about what he's gone through. And so, Lord, give me the strength to continue on. 
And may that be true of you also.